Welcome, Blues, to episode 21 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast, following a massive 6-1 dusting of Mark Hughes' Southampton. A lot of the media went after us after this win, Blues, pouring scorn on us for the age-old accusation of financial doping, something we never heard much of when United and Liverpool were in their pomp light years ago. We are now clear at the top of the league, Daylight between us and Liverpool, plus 10 goal advantage over Chelsea in second place. That's right, Scousers, it's Chelsea in second because of the small matter of goal difference. 33 goals scored, only four conceded, best defence in the league, top goal scorers. Aguero hits the 150 mark, and Raheem Sterling is looking like a bit of a bargain now. Look at what's happened to me here. I can't Myself. Suddenly I'm up on top of the world. It should have been somebody else. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not. Welcome Blues! Today I'm joined in our virtual studio by the glass half-full man, city fan legend, Walter Smith. Hi Walter! How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm good. How's it, how's it going? How's your week been? It's been uh, city-licious. Getting to the Etihad a couple of times and uh, just enjoying our time in Manchester and uh, enjoying us uh, boiling piss, I think is the, uh, the latest phrase, uh, amongst our... Uh, fellow football fans who don't support City. It's great. Yeah, and a big <laughs> shout out to you, Walter, for those lovely little Walter shot glass videos on your website. Find those at, at Man City Smith. Check them out, Blues. Now we've also got Prestwich Blue, Colin Savage. Hi, Colin, how are you? Good evening. I mean, it's been an interesting, what, 48 hours? We're also delighted to have with us Alan Bennett's son, like David Gregory. Do you realise that you sound exactly like Alan Bennett, the founder with uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore of Satire Boom? That's what our listeners think. Well, that's that's very strange. They, somebody told me he sounded like me. Yeah, I think he's Yorkshire, though. I'm, I'm Manchester born and bred. I'm only in Yorkshire on missionary work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off with a couple of things that we discovered going into the game. We're going to do a little review of Fulham uh, a little bit later, but Kevin De Bruyne was injured against Fulham, out for another five to six weeks. That was bad news. But guys, Raheem Sterling agrees a new five-year contract with us. What do you think about that, Walter? For me, it's fantastic news, just in terms of uh, he's young, he's English, and most of all, he's talented. And he offers another dimension completely for us. I mean, he could play football on a postage stamp. That's the kind of uh, talent that we're looking at. His spatial awareness and his football intelligence is, to me, it's the best of our front line. And the only naysayers, uh, I can imagine, uh, Teddy McDermott, Phil Neal, Ian Rush, those type of people digging him out. But the thing is, no matter how much uh, Sterling ever got booed, and for, uh, for some unknown reason, no matter what grounds he went to, Norwich, Burnley, it didn't matter. People got stuck into the booing on, on Sterling. Us City fans could see the talent. And most of all, Pep could see the talent. And I know Pep was talking about the evolution of Sterling as well. 
And Sterling, unlike our currency, is just on the rise at Manchester City. <laughs> you know, this this is a kid who's got the world at his feet and he's with us for another five years. So, you know, uh, put that in your pipe and smoke it. The Scouse Mafia media, you're just going to have to live with it. You know, he's brilliant. There's usually a bit of debate at the end of these matches about who was man of the match. I don't think there was very much question in this case, do you? Two goals, two assists and some wonderful, intricate play. Raheem as your man of the match? Yes, I would. I mean, the, the two goals d- deserve that status. But again, you, watching that yesterday, Sergio, for, for an hour, like, you often say strikers have to be totally selfish and they have to go for it. And Sergio and David were helping as much as they possibly could to, to make sure that goals are spread around. You know, it's six goals. Four different scorers, five if you include uh, their number six. Absolutely outstanding. And it'd be churlish. To, I mean, I was listening to, when we got back, I was listening to the Sky highlights, and, you know, you know, they should be shooting, they should be shooting. No, they shouldn't. If there, if there is not a perfect chance, you recycle the ball. Because if you take the shot, and it goes out, it's a goal kick, we've lost possession, and we've got to get it back again. When you said when you got back, does that mean when you got back from the Elkie Brooks concert that you and uh, Etta went to? Well, well, that was Saturday. Because they changed it, thankfully, we were able to get to do both. He was outstanding. For, for a, you know, a, a voice was powerful. She was out there and thoroughly enjoying it. It was a, it was a cracking good night. And I've got to thank Victoria for that, because that was my birthday present from earlier in the year. <laughs> Okay, absolutely no surprise with the lineup, Colin. Mara has been given a rest, but I think that was probably our strongest uh, team. Would you think so? Yeah, we said that actually at the match that, um, uh, barring Kevin De Bruyne, and I, don't, and I don't think Bernardo Silva's a bad replacement for Kevin. Uh, I think he brings a lot to the team, but barring Kev, I think that is our strongest lineup at the moment. Yeah, though, just to remind people of that, we had Ederson, Walker Stones, Laporte. Fernandinho, double silver, Sterling, Sonny and Aguero. We were 3-0 up inside 18 minutes. To me, the first half hour was possibly the best I've seen at the Etihad. And I know we keep saying this, but it keeps getting better. I know we were 3-0 up before Southampton even had a shot. Not just a shot on target, a shot. And we looked completely dominant. I know uh, match of the day, uh, I was laughing at one of the lines on it. It said, Manchester City are shooting fish in a barrel and that's exactly what it was you know Southampton was just completely bamboozled they didn't when you've got that attacking lineup and you've got that intricate play you don't know where it's coming from you know if you've got a player running at you you can stop it but if the ball's getting pinged around like pinball wizard and then firing at your net it's very very difficult to stop and for that first half hour I mean after that just sort of, the nerves are taken out of the game because you know you've won it. And you're just sitting back and enjoying and watching just the best football I've ever seen in the Premiership. Not just at City, across the board in the Premiership. Colin, who needs to score when we can get them to do it for us? Uh, could you talk us through that first one? I think yeah. the scorer was a, a man with a very difficult name to pronounce. I'll, I'll give it my best shot. His name is Wesley Quet or Hett. Yeah, it was um, one of those typical... Lovely silver Sane combinations. Silver's got the ball. Leroy starts running. The run's timed perfectly. The pass is timed perfectly. And it's a straightforward pass, but it's the timing that, that you know, the, the Southampton defence is standing still. Leroy's on the move. 
David Silva plays the ball exactly the right moment. Leroy's in the clear, and all he's got to do is square the ball. And there's two Southampton defenders there. But if they don't get it, Raheem Sterling gets it. And and Hoyt, Hoyt or Hoyt or whatever his name is, has got virtually no choice but to intercept that ball. Uh, and the, the way it's angled, it's going into his net. But it, it was a nice, simple, a simple goal, but uh, illustrated quite nicely that, that lovely left-wing silver sane combination, that understanding they've got. I was just going to make the point. Sterling was offside, and if the Southampton player hadn't well it into his own net, and Sterling had, it wouldn't have counted. That's what I was going so to that, say, yeah. It was yeah. almost worth two goals just for the lols. <laughs> but I couldn't see that at the time, of course, because it was no. right in line with where I sit in, uh, in the East Stand. So I, I couldn't see Sterling was offside. But all, all I could see is, well, Sterling's, if, he doesn't, if the Southampton player doesn't get that, Sterling gets it. We didn't yeah. have to wait too much longer for another one. It seems like... Uh, uh, every six minutes they were coming. In the twelfth minute, Sergio tapped in from Raheem's cross. We really are tap-in merchants, aren't we? Well, why not? All if you all the work's done. It it reminds me of the old Clive Dunn. You know, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, Captain Mannering. And the, the defence must be looking, thinking they just keep coming. They're coming from places I never expected. I mean, if if Sergio hadn't got it, I'm sure David would have done. Um, and it's it's that there's always another option. There's always a, a somebody following up, even even on the very rare occasions when there's a bad pass. It's only a bit, well, you know, it doesn't get to the one we thought it was going to get to. It gets to somebody else on our side. They're just it's scintillating, outstanding stuff. And this is uh, not a good team, but it's still a Premier League team. You know, two one here. With, with Southampton, and, and, you know, according to many, we, you know, it was one we got out of jail on, picked up three points. So, we have to be getting better if you look at those stats. With that, with that second goal, if I can just kind of butt in, Sterling, with the news of the contract, seemed to be like a man possessed on Sunday, didn't he? Mm. Uh, and that, that, that run to set it up was wonderful. The pace, the balance, whereas he might have fallen over or the ball had run off his foot. You know, last season maybe, or earlier this season, the pace, the balance—they had no way of dealing with him. And then, and, and then, as soon as he gets, as he gets to the byline, the ball's off. It's at Sergio's feet. Bang, two 0 Walter, first goal on six minutes, second goal on the twelfth minute, and then on the eighteenth minute, right on cue. It seems like Pep's got a remote control, and he's uh, he's having these go in every six minutes. David Silva rifles home from Leroy Sane's headed flick on. What did you think of that one, Walt? Well, just important again, it was uh, Raheem Sterling's cross. So Raheem Sterling has burst down the line. He's put this cross in and it's just bounced off uh, a <laughs> beautiful, lovely afro. Maybe giving it that little bit of extra bounce to get to David Silva. I think the uh, defender actually got ahead to it. I was watching it before carefully. I think the defender actually, he glanced off the defender's head rather than Sarney's. Do you reckon? Well, well yeah, but he, well, it, I do, yeah. Uh, but he was under pressure from Sarney. So, you know, it was a difficult, wasn't, uh, fin- it's a difficult it. finish of Silvers. You know what it I mean? Was. He's, yeah, yeah. he's got it. And how many how many times have we seen, you know, a player in that position just welly it over? Or, you know, and, and Sarney did that against uh, Fulham. Uh, just wellied it over from a very similar position. But Davids just seems to have his shooting boots on at the moment, doesn't he? He's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, we said that. He's, you know, <clears throat> the one criticism that uh, pundits have always sort of levelled at him is he hasn't got the goals. I think that was his fifth this year, and he just got it. And the pace and power he hit it with, you know, it was interesting because I was looking at the uh, the keeper, and the keeper didn't have a bad game overall for Southampton. 
he just didn't have a chance. You know what I mean? It's um, it's like being in a firing line trying to stop bullets, I suppose. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just got no chance. And Silva's got that ball and just wellied it. And it's just gone in the back of the net and cue the celebrations. Pick of the bunch, Davids. That was a stunning, stunning strike. And to be over it, you know, like we said, even just last week with Lamella, you know, different positioning on the pitch, but it, it's the skill level. David knew exactly um buried it. Super. It didn't have the bobble, though, did it, that Lamella had, to be fair? <laughs> no. <laughs> Their pitch. Some people were suggesting. That's a change, though, isn't it? I mean, David Silver, we say, the pun, sorry, well, uh, Mike, but the pun did say he doesn't score enough, and I say he doesn't score enough. And the old David Silver would have cushioned that and looked to pass it to, to Sergio or someone, wouldn't he? But no messing. Bang, first time, back of the net. It was as if uh, Man City were so dominant. They, they they had to just make things interesting for themselves. And on the half-hour mark, Danny Ings uh, got in ahead of John Stones, I think it was. And uh, Ederson brought him down for the penalty. What about that one? David, what did you think? It was a clear penalty. I'm not sure that... Again, listening to radio coverage, I mean, I, I wouldn't have picked anybody out for blame. I mean, it was it was a, a good pass. If anything, if he could have the moment again, I'm sure Edison would have stood off him because Danny Ings is hardly uh, a sharpshooter or a marksman. He'd have probably, you know, not realised what he had available to him. It was a gift. But, you know, when you're going to hammer them with six, I think I can live with the occasional gift. Colin, what was your view on... Ederson's moment of madness. It was a bit of a miscommunication between Stones and Ederson. Stones looked to have the ball covered, saw Ederson coming, and Stones sort of wheeled away. He kind of moved away from Ings, leaving it to Ederson. Now, obviously, I think Ederson doesn't need to. All he needs to do is stand him up, make him go wide. But I think between Stones sees Ederson coming, Ederson thinks maybe Stones is going to get it. And then he comes out. But, of course, as we said about Edison, he gets a bit bored, stood there in his goal mouth, doesn't he, for 90 minutes having nothing to do. So I think, you know, it was nice. He just wanted to show uh, he was still around and he could, um, you know, he could do something. Yeah. And, of course, you know, he, he wanted to save a penalty, didn't he? I mean, it gives him a, gets him a bit of attention. Walter, what were your thoughts on that moment? Well, it made me laugh. It was uh, the kiss of death, I suppose, because we were, I just borrowed about, it must have been a minute beforehand. My mate's um, program who sits next to me, and we were discussing when was the last time City let in a goal. And I think it was the 1st of September against Newcastle in the league. I was talking <laughs> about league goals. It was 2-1. And I was, we were sort of sat there all discussing it. Well, we, have, we haven't let a goal in for ages. Cue the Edison bringing it down. And let's get it right. No, None of us have sat here arguing it wasn't a penalty. It was just a stone waller, wasn't it? So... The only time I don't see them given is when we're playing and it's, a, it's yeah. certainly brought down. But otherwise, you know, there's no argument from any of us. We just thought, we thought Edison would save it, but again, it wasn't to be. Did, did anyone else think? Because last season when Mr. Hughes visited us with Stoke City, uh, we won 7-2 and we were 3-0 up and looked to be cruising and they brought it back to 3-2. Now, did anyone think when that penalty was given and went in, here we go again. And to a certain extent, actually, we'd fallen asleep a bit, hadn't we? When we'd gone 3-0 up, I think we'd relaxed a bit. That goal kind of gave us a bit of a, an edge again. Yeah. Well, that, well, that the backside. Uh, yeah. It came at the end of a particularly purple patch for them. And understandably, we've got to be thinking all the time about what's coming up. You know, we've got Shack Attack Donuts on Wednesday. You've won the game. You can understand, you know, just easing off a little bit. 
which gives them the encouragement. Oh, they're not as sharp in the tackle. They're not pressing. They're not this. Um, and that goal they did is, it, you know, hang on, no, 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 you're not having this. And then, you know, before the end of the half, it's four, and you're not coming back from that. That's right. Uh, we thought we were going to go in a 3-1 uh, up, uh, Walter, but actually turned out to be a 4-1 uh, in a couple of minutes in stoppage time, just before the uh, the whistle. Could you describe that one for us? I do believe is it cross came into Sterling, and Sterling just completely misses it. <laughs> and it just sits. Played it, he played it off the defender, but it was, no, well, it was Silver had played a ball through, uh, intending to play Aguero in, and he'd overhit it quite a bit. Aguero, Aguero it looked like it was running out, and, and the uh, Southampton defender, Cedric, did that thing I think we all talked about, that we all hate, where he stands over the ball and lets it run out. Aguero was quicker, and he sort of hooked his leg in between Suarez's legs, pulled the ball out, um, and just played in. Sterling, yeah, but yeah. Sterling took a swing at it, completely misses it, it hits his other leg and bobbles up right in front of him. Yeah. And he just says, thank you very much, and <laughs> just gives it a big welly. And, and that first and, touch actually bamboozled Ryan Bertrand, who was stood in front of him. Because Bertrand oh, thinks of what's going, and he turned round, and he course completely he missed Sterling having the second shot. Because he's got his back to go. Back but then again, you the know, goal. It's that quick reactions from Sterling that, you know, gets, gets the goal for him. And that's why we've got him for another five years. You know, it's those quick reactions. Uh, and he, deadly in front of box. But it, it did make me laugh the way he takes his big swing at it, hits his right leg, bounces up in front of him, and then kaboom. <laughs> from where you were sitting, Walter, can you talk me through Bertrand's tackle on Walker? I didn't see. Yeah, I'm on the east stand as well. I oh, yeah, all right. It's Colin. It's on the Colin Bell stand side. But it, it looked to me from where, where I was looking from the family stand that he'd completely wiped him out. Walker was down for a good couple of minutes, getting some treatment. Not a mention anywhere in the highlights of it. And on the BBC stream, the live stream, it's just foul Ryan Bertrand on Kyle Walker. Uh, delay over Kyle Walker treatment, delay over Kyle Walker back. And from where I was sitting, it looked like he'd just wiped Walker out. And Walker does not stay down. No, he doesn't. You know, so, and it just sort of seemed, sort of, oh, just carry on, move on. Similar, similar last week with Tottenham, with when you've got two players throwing themselves to the ground, trying to con the referee. But if any of ours do that, it, the pressure all over it. And yet, you know, what was a very, seemed to me like a very cynical tackle. Guys, what... One thing that uh, seemed to be very prominent in that first half was the work rate and the contributions of Sergio Aguero. Now, although he wasn't scoring left, right and centre, he had his goal, of course, but the work rate and the contributions, two assists uh, for Sterling, uh, for both Sterling's goals, actually, we'll talk about the next one, but he was really putting on display all of that build-up play that uh, Guardiola's been uh, encouraging him to do. Would you agree with that, Colin? Uh, yeah, I, Sergio's work rate is phenomenal. And the only thing I criticise is sometimes he's so deep picking up the ball that he's not kind of on the edge of the six-yard box um, to pick up the ball that's coming in. There was one ball quite early on, I mean, I think in the first couple of minutes from um, Raheem Sterling, where he fizzed the ball across the line of the six-yard box uh, and, and there wasn't a player anywhere near it. Uh, where you'd expect someone like Aguero or Gabriel Jesus would have been. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he's completely changed his game 
uh, and he looks he looks really good on it. It's not like he's flailing. He's picked up everything that Pepper's tried to teach him to do. But sometimes it's at the expense of just not being there in, in you know in the six yard box in front of the six yard box on the penalty spot when the ball comes in. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up as a midfield player and a, and a maker rather than a scorer of goals. In, late, later in his... But, no, no. Oh, no. You're talking no. about an I don't think he's got the awareness to be a midfield player, as good as he is. I don't think he's got the awareness to, to be a midfield player. He's not got that instinct. Heads that down. Silver, is but, no, yeah. I, think, I think the future for Aguero is when he slows down, he's going to find a manager that, in, that doesn't insist on the work rate. Just keep him up front there, and uh, he'll put the goals in. He may not necessarily be able to come from deep, as uh, Guardiola forces him to do, but he'll go. He'll revert back to type like he was under Pellegrini and just, uh, you know, put, bang the goals in, Walter. I'd say so. I mean, the thing is, Guerrero will never change his mind. He's going to be in Argentina. He's going to play in Argentina after... Because I'm sure his lab lives there as well. So after he leaves us, he's gone back to Argentina. And what I would... My advice to him was would be almost to take the Cristiano Ronaldo route mm-hmm. of being in the six-yard box as much as you can just to get the tappings. Because this guy, is, for me, is arguably the best ever foreign striker to play in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk You know, people talk about your Thierry Henrys, and that's absolutely fine. And you just think, well, once he gets more goals than Thierry Henry, which I do firmly believe he will, does that make him the better striker? He's got a very similar strike rate. You know, I mean, we're talking Thierry Henry here as well. You know what I mean? That's the kind of... And a bit of distance as well. Distance in terms of time. Uh, you start to put a bit of a shine on a player as well. And I think players that play now aren't always appreciated, you know, as much because you get to see the mistakes in all the games. But when you see the highlights reel, and when anybody looks at Sergio Aguero, Manchester City highlights reel, oh my word, you know, we're talking about the cream of the crop here. So, you know, for me personally, he's up there with Thierry Henry, possibly better, but that could be me old blue-tinted uh, spectacles. Well, guys, that's how we headed into halftime, 4-1 up. Everyone was wondering what kind of uh, scoreline this was going to finish up at. Uh, guys, were there any other uh, things that struck you about that first half performance that you'd yeah. like to talk about? Yeah, yeah. there's a couple of things I've got noted. So I think it was in about 38 minutes. It was that incredible sequence where we won the ball in the box. Oh, yeah. They couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't get it off us at all. I think I, I, I should have counted, but at least four players, maybe five City players, couldn't get a shot away. And uh, we all say, how the hell did we not score there? Because not only Southampton were throwing the bodies in the way, they were just kind of watching the ball. Uh, almost like still, still like a, a load of training cones while we ran oh, past them. Maybe that was the best way. Stand still. If you move, yeah. still. <laughs> and, and then there was another. Fu- there was another funny one a few minutes later, just a few minutes before half time. Um, Edison actually hoofed for, for once. Actually hoofed the ball up the other end of the field. Uh, you might have noticed this, Walter, in the East Stand, but it literally landed in a ball boy's hands, and it must have been a seventy-five yard punt. And it landed at the foot at the foot of a ball boy, right in front of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. What made me laugh about that is Lee Mason uh, decided <laughs> that the ball went out in City's half. Yeah. You remember that? He says, "Oh yeah. no, I think it was like this." He made them take it like forty yards. 
From where it went out, I just yeah. think I'm not the biggest Lee Mason fan. Well, I know a guy. The guy who sits behind me, uh, Dave. He um, he was 50 on the when we beat six United six one at, uh, <laughs> at Old Trafford. That was his 50th birthday. So he said that we won by five goals to celebrate a decade each. He used to be Lee Mason's linesman. Ah, right. Yeah, I know um, who you're talking about now. So what he used to do, uh, Lee Mason, he's down as a Bolton fan. Dave never seen him or heard him talk about Bolton or go to Bolton. He only knows that Lee Mason, Old Trafford, whenever he wasn't refereeing, he was straight down to Old Trafford. And, of course, if you say that you're a United fan, you will not get the games with the United Villiers or in the Premier League. Well, so he comes out and sticks out that he's a Bolton fan. So that's all that needs to be said about the character of Lee Mason. I'll say some more about this. This is interesting because uh, back about April 2012, Mike Riley did a presentation Q&A at the Etihad. And there were, I don't know, about 30 people invited to it. Invite only, or very secretive. And it was very entertaining, but uh, there'd been a big thing about um, Lee Mason. He'd been taken off one of our games at short notice. And uh, Mike Riley was talking about how they pick refs for games. And he talks about you've got to declare your allegiance to a club. And he used Lee Mason as an example. And um, he said, he didn't say Lee Mason's a ball supporter. He said, uh, Lee Mason's brothers have all got season tickets at Bolton. So Lee's, we've got Lee as a, uh, a Bolton supporter. But I'd heard that story about him being a, a United fan. I think I brought it up as well in front of uh, Mike Riley. But the other thing about Lee Mason is I'd, I'd, been do, I'd done something for King of the Kipax on uh, analysing referees' performances in our games. So, so basically based on the points per game, not very scientific, I, I, I give it you, but based on the po- average points per game over the last you know, nine, ten seasons for the experienced ref. And obviously Lee Mason's been around. Lee's been a ref for, what, 10, 12 years, something like that. But he's only ever had three games involving two top six clubs. Mm. I think two of those are us, or maybe all th- or two or three. Us against Spurs and us against Liverpool. Are the only games he's had involving two top six clubs playing each other. And you think, if you've been a ref for 10 years, you, you know, you're going to get United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal's. And he's never had one of those games. Which, which to me suggests uh, that Mike Riley doesn't actually rate him. Did he not referee the United-Chelsea game and he gave a Chelsea goal that was offside for his linesman did and Ferguson ripped him to bits? I don't know. He must have been crying on his Man United pillow that night. I'm sure that (laughs) happened. (laughs) I don't know actually whether it makes it or not. I'll check check after the podcast. But, you know, you'd think he'd do a few... Chelsea Arsenal, Chelsea Spurs, but never, he never, he never gets those games. He'll get a top six team, but they'll be playing, you know, one of the also runs, one of the bottom fourteen. <laughs> so, so that kind of tends to suggest that Lee Mason is not a man trusted by his by his betters, by his bosses to to manage those games. Okay, guys. Well, moving into the second half. It seems like things had changed. Goals weren't going to come every six minutes. It took 12 minutes now for uh, for number five, and this was Raheem Sterling. Do you remember this goal, David? Yeah. Well, he was he was hacked from behind, and rather than I probably having thought, well, I'm not going to get a free kick. I might as well get up and get on with it because you you've got to you know be rolling around for a free kick. Well, you've um, got to have a hatchet coming out your head, haven't you? To get oh, a free yeah, kick, yeah. 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 Oh, so he was up, up like a shot, which 
completely through the defender because he he, he was gone before the defender realised. He's fully expecting to, to be a free kick. Sergio, again, totally unselfishly. Here's a player in a better position. And what a cracking shot that was. It was a cracking shot. And I'll yeah. tell you something else about that goal. I was watching it a few times earlier. And it starts with, I think, um, Laporte, who's just inside the Southampton half. And he plays a long ball, about 25 yards to Sterling. And what that showed was how quickly we move the ball. I could, from the port making that pass to the ball getting the back of the net, it's about seven seconds. You know, you count 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700 seconds, seven seconds, and the ball's gone from virtually the halfway line into the back of the opposition net. And I was watching, uh, the night before I'd been watching Wolves, and the main thing that stood out from watching that was they were just a bit slow in moving the ball. You know, it took them two, three seconds to make the pass. But whereas we're going, bang, 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 goal. But we're, we're, we're passing balls into areas knowing there's a player going to be there. Yes, that's the and point. We can do that. Time You're looking for the player to pass the ball to. Yeah. We pass the ball knowing. And that all that work is done all through the week. And, you know, to, to actually have this guy managing us... The, the, Raheem Sterling has come on in leaps and bounds. And the potential of that lad and Leroy, only young lads, the potential of those players to go on and on and on is fascinating. As we've said before, the future looks so bright. David mentioned Raheem and Leroy there. And of course, just to finish it off and to give you your favourite scoreline, Raheem teed up Leroy for number six in the the time given as 90 plus one. He later came out and in his media comments said that he didn't care about his hat trick. He just wanted to set up his mate because his mate was always looking out for him. I just thought it was uh, Raheem Sterling who passed it to Leroy. And Leroy, I thought that was the one I thought the goalkeeper maybe should have saved. But, yeah. you know, you don't know... The mentality of let five in the next one, you know, he, he caught it well. What I thought was interesting was when Aguero passed the ball to Sterling, Sterling finished that from a tight angle, you know, it went through the goalkeeper's mm. legs. So I'm not even sure Sterling was in a better position. You know, I thought the, the Aguero ball might just rustle that in the, the bottom corner. But yeah, it was one of them just but, to put the icing on the cake to give yeah. every City fan their favourite 6 1. So was a, in the second half, because that was right in front of, of us, and there was a few where Sergio, if, he, if he'd had his shooting boots and he would have had a crack, then he could have scored, but he passed it. And for me, that, that's what made me think. Yeah. You know, if, in, you know he, he's, he's happy he's to... He's a different player, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the one that mattered most of all, which is his 150th. So let's, let's bring a few more in, because it's a long, long time since I scored a goal. Um, <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting the fact, fact that you said that Raheem Sterling's come on leaps and bounds, and you know, then you mentioned Sane. There's only one player I can think of at Manchester City who hasn't come on leaps and bounds since Pep Guardiola has arrived, and it was uh, Yaya Torre. And Yaya Torre did what he did, and then he was shipped out. But the rest of the players, you know, we talk about buying in top players, but every player that we buy in and every player we had at the club. Every player is buying into Pep and improving because the guy's just... I'm just talking to a Liverpool fan today and he described Pep as the best manager in the world. 
And I just shook my head and or just <laughs> nodded my head, should I say. I just said, oh, yes. I was like Winston the dog from the <laughs> Oh, yes. You know, he'll be talking to you. Yes. This is what you do. Yes, 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 yes. And in the end, you go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he, he's, he's got an eye for a player. He's, uh, he knows the player he wants for that particular role. He'll wait if he has to, as we did with Laporte, to get that player in that particular role. Uh, and then the development, even seeing players for different roles. You know, we, we recognize somebody in one position and he sees him in a completely different one and then turns that player into a world class. No, he's, um, you go back any of the Bayern players, not so much the Barcelona players because they grew up with him, but the Bayern players, Philip Lahm, you know, he extended Philip Lahm's career by at least two years. I mean, we mentioned Laporte there and um, what made me laugh about Laporte, Laporte's great statistic. When you're at the games, you won't see this on TV. Look, you get these statistics going round, you know, on the, the top of the yeah, yeah. first tier. And it always comes up in yellow. And Laporte played 19 games for us, won 17 and drawn suit. Yeah. And Duncan Castles, I don't know if he's got the Samaritans number, <laughs> but we should be passing it on. We just yeah. need Mrs. Gardner to say... Pep, we must stay here. The kids are happy. I'm happy. Living in Manchester for the next 10 years, please. But we were, we're just scintillating. And anything, anybody after that match, churlishly saying this should happen, that should happen, and this player shouldn't play, you know, it's, you've got to take your hat off to them. They all work so hard. Well, not everyone was pleased after the match, uh, guys, because uh, <laughs> the first guy that uh, cropped up uh, on my timeline was a, uh, a fellow called John Dillon from the Evening Standard. And uh, let me just read you guys uh, oh, John something, Dillon, yes. something that he said. Actually, guys, <laughs> uh, when I saw his name crop up, it reminded me of something he said a few years ago. So I uh, researched that and found it. In 2015, it was John Dillon who was the, <laughs> was the one who had said, came out with this quote. He said, United's £52.7 million outlay on class looks superb business next to City's ludicrous sterling splurge. That was him back in 2015. One of his pals, one of his pals said, good editorial, John. I can't see how sterling is going to get games over Navas. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And then after this game... He cropped up again. He's all over everyone's Twitter timeline. And this is his latest one. He says of this city performance, it's PlayStation brought to life by financial doping. It is boring to watch. And there's been no actual denial from City on the leak claims. Of course, we know it was just that Man City had come out and said that they weren't going to make comment. Another guy who came out, guys, uh, was... Uh, a guy called Stan that uh, Pep doesn't really remember, and we all remember what Stan Collymore is famous for saying. Let me read it to you in case you forget. He says, he's talking about Pep, and he says, if he thinks he's going to turn up and outplay everyone in the Premier League, and that teams like Watford, Leicester, Bournemouth, and Crystal Palace are going to let his Manchester City side have the ball for 90% of the time and pass pretty patterns around them so that they can get a result, then he's absolutely deluded. That was, well, he's uh, not totally wrong. He's yeah, not totally wrong. He doesn't have it for 90% of the time. Yeah. It's usually about 75% of the that time. That was uh, 2016. You would have thought Stan had learned his lesson, but no, he came out again, <laughs> and uh, this is what he says this time. He says, all of the managers that Pep competes against 
at home and abroad, including Mourinho, might have already won at least one Champions League by now if they were in charge of City. As much as we love, this is the funny bit, as much as we love his expansive attacking philosophy and the purity of his football, if he walks away after five or six years in charge, you wouldn't be able to bracket him with Europe's elite. Guardiola should win the Champions League three times if he stays six years. If not, his halo will slip. Ask Eureka Johnson what she thinks. <laughs> I just think Frank Collymore is an awful human being and he thrives on misery. And he's miserable and he wants to make other people miserable. I mean, Stan Collymore, the best thing was Andy Morrison just giving him a big kiss. You know what I mean? This is a guy who's just was a talented footballer, but just he just stumbled as a human being. I don't know what Stan Collymore says, because like any self-righteous City fan, I've been blocked. So, and that's the way it should be. He's got me, I don't have to listen to him, so that's just the places that my world's a better place. Stan Collymore doesn't exist in my world. Ex-pros, literally stealing a living, and where well, you, the print media and the, I mean, radio, talk radio and all this, they've got so much time to fill in between the nonsense phone-ins and George from Scunthorpe and that, unfortunately, people like him get airtime, which they certainly do not deserve. Robbie Savage springs to mind as well, guys. Um, now, Colin... I was looking at some match statistics at the end. Of course, the, the normal percentage is 67% to City. Uh, and then I saw expected goals. Expected goals for Man City was 2.54, as against 1.88 for Southampton. Expected goals? I, I don't buy into this, really. Um, we were talking about this, talking about this with uh, Rob, the, the guy I go to the games with. Expected goals is, is a collection of stats from Opta. And they've analysed players in all sorts of different situations, and they basically say, if you've got Sergio Aguero and he's got the ball, uh, you know, 12 yards out, we expect him to score. But of course, you know, football's not not a game where you kind of reproduce the same things every time. You know, it's not a game of statistics, other than, even possession's a bit of an odd statistic, because it's not actually the time that the team has the ball. So I've always wondered that, and apparently it's something to do with passes, um, it's, it's words on passes. Football is not a statistics game. So expected goals is what Opta expect that a, a team would have scored with the chances or opportunities that they had during the game. But of course, you know, we score six goals. So this expected goals of three is obviously nonsense because, and I think Mark Hughes made the point on, on match of the day. Now we know, normally talks a lot of deluded nonsense, which, which sounds quite intelligent, Hughes. He said they had six shots on goal. They scored from all of them. We had six shots on target. We scored one. Can't argue with that. Yeah. So it's, yeah. One of, it's one of my gripes about modern day football is if you watch Sky Sports News, they boil. Just next time you watch, you just get the, get it into your head about stats. And we go to the games and we see what's before us. And then we watch Sky Sports News and it's just stat ridden. The <laughs> whole thing. And yeah. they make up just these ridiculous stats, you know. They've got to fill the airtime with something. <laughs> I mean, what that tickles me to death is this is the this is the games he was in, and this is the games he wasn't in, right? And this, you know, we had seventy two percent win rate with him, 
Uh, and we only had a 48% win rate without him. Yeah, well, he's a good player. You're going to miss him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but honestly, I always just say, what Sky Sports is. It's ridiculous. There's two stats that counted on Sunday. One is 6-1, and the other is three points. Yeah. That's the matter to me. Yeah. Pep was happy, uh, I, I guess, after the game, but he, he was going on really about the fact that City had faced more shots than any other Premier League game. If you're going to face shots against any team, it's Southampton, because Ings <laughs> and Long are just... Their scoring record is just atrocious. I mean, one of the shots rebounded off Edison, then the keeper followed it, or the player followed it up, and then he hit Edison again, so that's two, I suppose. Shane Long yeah. is the one I won, didn't he? Yeah. No, Shane Long would miss a barn door, you know what I mean? We're talking about a guy who's got an incredible record of not scoring. <laughs> you know, and he keeps getting picked, you know, because he's got a good work rate, et cetera, et cetera, but he's woeful, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, didn't, to yeah I didn't think Southampton played that badly. I mean, we bamboozled them, and Hughes was on saying they defended poorly. I don't know what else they could have done. As we said before, you've got, to, as a defender, and this is what you were saying earlier, You've got to be thinking, where's Silva going to go? Where's Sane going to go? Where's Sterling going to go? Where's Aguero going to go? And then you've got players like Sane and Maras and De Bruyne, who were stood 25 yards from goal, who can ping it in. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got all these... I remember a Chelsea player. We played Chelsea. I, I can't remember. It was a few seasons ago. I th- it might be Gary Cahill came out after the game and said, normally in a game, a team like us, we expect to have three moments where we're really under pressure. He said, but it was time and time and time again that City were coming at us. And he said, there must have been kind of 12, 15 moments in the game where we're getting a bit overwhelmed, as opposed to the three we normally face. Uh, and I think it was maybe Pellegrini's first season. And, and But that's all the teams now. The, it, the Southampton defenders just look completely bamboozled. At the end, that sixth goal, they just given up. They just yeah. didn't. It wasn't worth it anymore. The game was won after half an hour. And, yeah, and I think... I think we we slackened off a little bit. They got a goal, and then we tightened up a little bit. But and even at ninety minutes, we were still pressing. Yes, yes. And, and funny enough, they, they started pressing at the beginning. And Danny Murphy sort of made this point. I don't think he made it very well. They, they started pop. pressing at the beginning, and I said we said at the time at the game, teams that don't normally do this, they'll start pressing, they'll make mistakes, they won't do it properly, and then they'll forget. So you might get. You might start off with all six players thinking, oh, the boss has told me I've got to press. And then five minutes later, two of them have forgotten because it's not, it's like muscle memory. It's not the natural game. Yeah, it's not, it's not in their, their way they would normally play. But yeah, it must be, it must be a challenge for every Premier League manager going to the Etihad. What do I do? If I try to, to face them up, go man for man on them and, and, and try to press, they'll bob the ball straight over us. And, and they're gone. And, and you take half your team out, which is all the time you can, you can almost see them, you know, come on, come on, come on, bit more. <laughs> another, five, another five yards, lovely. And then half your team's looking back and thinking, oh my God, I hope the keeper can stop this. Uh, and that's the way we play. Very few teams. Tottenham did it to, to Pep in his first season and we ended up losing his first game because they pressed us all the way through the game. And when Alex sliced the ball into the you know, yeah, net. That, that's their normal game. They're, yeah. they're, they're quite a high-pressing team. Yeah. And, and Liverpool the same. Liverpool with their, I don't like it, but, but, they, you know, but they, they play in a similar way. But other than that, 
works that for, in, in most cases, they come for damage limitation. Fulham did it last Thursday. You know, as long as it was 1-0, Fulham were, felt reasonably confident. If we can nick a goal, we could take this to penalties. And we didn't relax until Diaz popped the second one in because you knew full well they were never going to score two. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you mentioned uh, Liverpool. Well, uh, they dropped two points the second time uh, this season. And so at least uh, there's no dispute about who's top now, Walter. We don't have to worry about whether we're joint or not. There's daylight now between us well, and I Liverpool. Put a, I put a tweet out for, put a tweet out before just saying that if we beat Southampton at the top of the league, does it really mean we're top because we haven't played everybody the same yet? No. So, no, no, no. I mean... There's, For me, ultimately, there's 20 teams who are joint top. At the moment, City, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, they've not lost the league yet. But you look at some, you know, I think United have already because they've fallen so far behind and you've got these teams just racing and racing and racing on. So I can't, I think they've lost it before Christmas. And I think one of the things I've just, what I really wanted to mention was I absolutely loved the Fulham game. And the reason I loved it was we put a truly, not just a half and half, it was a true second team out there. And this was against a premiership team that went strong. And, you know, you've always heard the talk about, you know, well, a City B team could probably finish top six in the Premier League. But until you see the B team competing, and I thought there were some wonderful performances. I thought Danilo looked just great and powerful at the back. I thought Foden looked magical and his ability to find space just reminded me of Silva. I thought the keeper had a solid game. You know, company looked good. Jesus, I thought, was man of the match and he, I can't believe he didn't score. <laughs> you know, but he was there and he kept on going, he kept on going. So that's what excited me most about the Fulham game. We are now into the quarterfinals. We all know our opposition on the 27th of this month uh, because Leicester still have to play Southampton, so we're going to get one of those teams. That uh, was a 2-0 win for us guys uh, at Fulham. A brace for Brian Diaz. 27 shots to their 5. That's the game that uh, Kevin De Bruyne got injured in 3 minutes from time. 5-6 to six weeks out, Kevin will be this time with his left knee. But we're sure Dr. Ramon Kugat will be able to do something with him. And uh, as Walter said, the positive thing about that was that there were 10 changes. Only John Stones remained. John Stones wouldn't have even have got in there if Nicolas Otamendi hadn't have picked up a, a minor niggle. So isn't it great that we can replace virtually everybody? The lineup was, uh, the lineup this time was Bored Murich. That's our second goalkeeper. Danilo Stones, Company, Zinchenko, Delft, KDB and Foden, Diaz, Gabby J and Leroy. Leroy getting a run out there. Yeah, that was an impressive 2-0 victory. Guys, the question is here, can we hang on to Brahim? He has, if he wants to learn, this is the place to be. If he's worried he can't get into our team, what makes him think, and not him personally, because a lot of this is paper stuff as well, what makes anybody think he's going to get into Real Madrid's team? I'll tell you what, I... Um, it was a great game on, on Thursday, and I just I certainly echo Walter's comments because there are times when we put out um, below, what we call a below-strength team in the League Cup, and, and it's been a bit of a stuttering performance. Yeah. You think about uh, Wolves last season and... Um, Leicester. Leicester, yeah. Um, and, and it didn't look like a City team, but that looked like a City team. You know, if, if you didn't know any of the faces, if, if, you, if you'd you know, come down from Mars... And someone told you Manchester City were a great team, and go and watch them. You'd have thought, yeah, that's the first team because mm-hmm. we were so good. 
And I think with the, the one player who impressed me the least was actually Diaz. And it's a strange thing to say because he scored two goals. But when you compare him and Foden, and Sarney as well, Sarney got some criticism for that game. I don't understand why. I thought he had a, quite a good game. Not a perfect game, but Sarney, Foden, they were always Kevin De Bruyne. They were all trying to make something happen. They get the ball, they'd be going forward. With Diaz, and it may be because, you know, I'll give him a get out. He's not played that many first team games. It was, I think it's probably his first proper start. So perhaps he's a bit nervous. He's feeling his way in, but it was always the easy way out for him. You know, if he got the ball, and, and I know again, another thing is he's not a right winger. He's a number 10, but I still expect to see, to have seen a little bit more from him with the ball at his feet. I don't, I don't expect him to go past. Play, he played right in front of me where we were sat because yeah. I, I, I don't do the cup scheme. So I bought tickets to go and watch that, my wife and I. And he was right in front of me. And I was, I was very impressed. In the first half when he was right on my, my side of the pitch, I was very impressed with him. Um, I don't think you can fault his work rate. But when you compare him to someone like Foden or Sane, yeah. then I don't think he had as good a game as that. Yeah. And that could be just a little bit. But, yeah. but, it, sh- but it shows how good Foden is. Because he's, he's got the confidence to make those runs, to take players on, to make things. He's always uh, looking to make things happen. If, if you look at Foden's game time versus Brahim's game time, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's had more game time. He's more familiar with the players. As we said before, you know, if I put the ball there, that, that's where it needs to be because that's where the player's going to be. And Phil Foden is getting more into that than Brahim. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love him to stay, but at the end of the day, it's his career... And his advisors will do. I mean, we're not exactly suffering with the loss of Jaden Sancho, uh, and the difference with Phil Foden and, and either the either of the other two is Phil is a local lad. Phil is a city supporter. He's living the dream. You know, with with Sancho, we picked him up from Watford's academy. He was only with us a few years. You know, he, he's not doing badly, but he's not setting the world alight. And the times I did watch him live, I was actually disappointed with him in, in the, uh, the Youth Cup finals. I was very disappointed with his with his contribution. But I think Diaz is as a uh, with as with Foden, Diaz is a as an exceptional talent. But he needs to be nurtured. He needs to be developed. And if if that's what his ultimate place, he's in the right place for that because you can learn so yeah. much working well, with Pep. If I if I were him, I'd be looking at say I'll sign a new contract. And then I uh, sign a new five-year contract, and halfway through, I'll see where we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, uh, and we'll see where he is. Not going to see the complete article at 18, 19, no. 18. is a different story. I mean, the mistakes we made was we hung on to players for too long. We had plenty that we, you know, <laughs> go back to your old days, we had plenty of players that were never, ever going to make it. You know, and we've got to be, and we are probably now more ruthless, and say, nope, you're ne- never going to be You've got a team coming through every year, and yet, like Sergio's been there since 2011. So, how many how many young kids have come through in that time and not made it? You know, it's, it's all the press out. We don't play the youngsters. We don't play the youngsters. Sometimes it's the wrong thing to do. Like Phil Foden at the start of that game, when with the physical side like Southampton, if he'd, have, if he'd have had the tackle Kyle Walker had, that could have ruined him for the game. I think that was the other thing about Diaz I noticed on Thursday night. Uh, two or three times he was knocked off the ball very, very easily. And you don't see Foden, you don't see Sterling being knocked off. 
you don't see Sane being knocked off. I, I say, if I were him, I would be saying, I'll give it another couple of years. And, and perhaps the club should give him some assurances and say, look, you'll start five out of six League Cup games or something like that. You, you know, you'll get game time. Okay, guys, I think that's all we have time for right here. Now, we're going to get into the whole football WikiLeaks extravaganza on another pod, so we're not going to go into it here. Guys, we'll be back after our next games, Shakhtar and also the Derby. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Acast, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Pod Paradise, pretty much all of your favorite apps. We're on Facebook at Bolt from the Blue, and our website is boltfromblue.live. So, guys, we'll be back after the next game. So until then, let's thank our guest. Thank you very much, Walter Smith. It's always a pleasure, never a chore, and hopefully we'll all be jolly happy this time next week. Thank you to David Gregory. Yes, Alan Bennett signing off from here. <laughs> and Prestwich Blue, Colin Savage, thank you very much. As Walter said, talking city for an hour is never a chore. We'll be back, as I mentioned, after the next game. So until then, have one on us and up the boost. It's so good to me, it's so good to me, it's so good to me.